0: I'm Calla Cofield and you're listening to the Physics Buzz Podcast. Today we're talking to physics historian David C. Cassidy about his book, A Short History of Physics in the American Century. We'll examine the relationship between American physics and the war effort, as well as how we define success for American physics in a world where science is becoming more and more collaborative across national lines.
1: My name is David C. Cassidy. I'm a historian of of physics or historian of science at Hofstra University on Long Island.
0: David Cassidy is also the author of a number of books, including excellent biographies of Werner Heisenberg and Robert Oppenheimer. His most recent book is called A Short History of Physics in the American Century. The book does not mislead. It is short, under 200 pages, which is quite a feat for a book that actually covers 100 years of history. The book examines how physics helped America become a world superpower and the changing relationship between physics and America in the second half of the 20th century.
1: It's an incredible story because in the beginning of the century, American physics was sort of a very humble third class type of physics with very few practitioners. And then it rose rapidly. By nineteen early 1930s, it, it was world class. And by the end of World War II and the Cold War, it was a world in world leadership. And then it reached a period of maturity after 1970 or so, and is now a, a competitor, is a world class competitor, but it has a lot of challengers to that status.
0: Now Cassidy only had 200 pages to tell the story and I only have about 10 minutes to share some of it with you. So I wanted to focus on one major theme of Cassidy's book, the relationship between physics and the American war effort. And that story actually begins with the title, A Short History of Physics in the American Century. I asked Cassidy why he chose to include that phrase, the American Century, and what it actually means.
1: It's actually a bit facetious, putting it in there. Uh, The American century actually lasted about 25 years, from 1945 to 1970, when the U.S. was on the top of the world in physics and culture and a lot of other areas. It was introduced, actually, by Henry Luce. He was the editor and chief of Time Life magazines. And it was sort of in imperialistic terms, actually, that we are going to determine how things are going to go from now on will spread democracy and culture and physics all around the world. And that is actually one of the driving forces that made physics so successful in the United States because of the Cold War and because of uh, the position that the United States had achieved. Physics achieved the same position in the U.S. And uh, it's actually a two-way street. The uh, growth of physics helped the American century and the American century helped American physics.
0: In the 21st century America, physics is constantly marketed for its potential applications, the patents and technologies and consumer goods that we can get out of basic physics research. But people didn't always view science like this. At the beginning of the 20th century, many American leaders did not view science as something that could benefit the country in practical ways. And changing their view of physics required some very targeted marketing.
1: One of the themes of the book is a handful of physicist politicians or diplomats who promoted physics at the highest levels of the government and promoted the practical side of physics to government leaders, promising them results if they would support physics. And this started right with World War One. George Ellery Hale said, the war is the greatest opportunity to advance physics we've ever had. In World War II, even before the U.S. entered World War II, Vannevar Bush and James B. Conant were already in the president's office promoting the possibility of an atomic bomb, but also organizing or mobilizing physics for the coming war, organizing it along with the uh, Office of Scientific Research and Development run by uh, Vannevar Bush, preparing to act as an intermediary between uh, the war needs and the work of scientists. So already physicists and laboratories were being prepared to work on uh, war-related projects. Through these promoters throughout the whole first two-thirds of the century, they were the ones that formed alliances with the government, military, industries, and could work at the highest levels of power as politicians, basically, or or lobbyists for American physics. And uh, they were very successful at it.
0: And in 1945, at the end of World War II, that is when the so-called American century began. Physics had developed the technologies that won the war, mainly radar and the atomic bomb. And now that America was on top, so was physics.
1: Suddenly, uh, these very practical applications appeared and won the war. And immediately, military leaders jumped at funding physics with anything they wanted. Uh, General Groves used leftover money from the Manhattan Project and pumped it to uh, Lawrence's accelerator at Berkeley to do with it as he pleased. The Navy, uh, not to be left out, founded the uh, Office of Naval Research and funded uh, projects practically anyone who wanted money could just go and ask for it and, and do it because they expected pure, unfettered research to eventually lead uh, new weaponry. That It was a military mindset. And in the context of the Cold War, the deepening uh, competition with the Soviet Union, 1947 and 48, the Cold War starts setting in with the Berlin Wall and the Soviet atomic bomb in 1949. The nation looked to the physicists to provide the new weapons of war that they would need. So um, funding for physics really jumped, mostly through military sources. I think it was like 60 70% of research in physics was funded by, through the military. And uh, this was not only in government labs, but also in academic research. So naturally, uh, physics really took off.
0: Now, of course, I should mention that this is a very quick glimpse at a very complex story. The relationship that physics had with the American war effort is a very large part of American history. But physicists in the U.S. were also making great contributions to basic science and to other technologies. And not everyone in the physics community felt happy about the relationship between the American military and physics. In fact, by the 1960s, the entire nation was beginning to view war very differently.
1: Yeah, Well, things changed partly because during the 60s, there was a a questioning of this relationship. The public uh, began to question that science in the United States was so closely bound to the government agenda, especially the military agenda. There's a lot of cultural things going on, the Vietnam War. Uh, Here we have napalm and all these weapons being used on this third world country. Uh, There was also the production of PhDs in physics reached record highs in the late 60s, but the nation couldn't employ all of All of those physicists. And the um, unemployment rate among physicists increased drastically during the late 60s. And that brought about a lot of questioning, like, why are we going into this field? What is this field about? Isn't there something else that physics could be used for? Uh, A number of physicists began questioning the policies in Vietnam, questioning nuclear policies. Nuclear weapons reached their record highs in the 60s. I think the United States at height had 32,000 nuclear warheads. Now it's around uh, 2,000 or so. So, uh, Nixon, I think it was 1970, Nixon uh, fired his science advisor. When he was reelected, did not appoint reappoint his uh, scientific advisory council and began uh, reducing funding for research, began reducing funding to education, science education, and uh, sort of putting some of the leading physicists on his enemies list. And things just began to decline after that. It couldn't be sustained anyway. And then, because of Johnson's Great Society program, the big social program, and the Vietnam War uh, budget deficits began to occur for the first time in American history. And the nation fell into a recession in the early 70s. So it was a period when science was no longer, had the status that it had before and no longer could command the budgets that it had before. So then there was a decline until the Reagan years, until Carter actually came in, who had a nuclear engineering background and appointed scientists to important positions.
0: In the 1980s, the Reagan administration once again invested in physics, partly with an interest in some questionable space technologies, but also with the intention of increasing America's military strength. And that eventually raised funding and the number of physics PhDs to almost 1960s levels. Military funding continues to support physics in the U.S., but the two may never have quite the same relationship that they once did. The 21st century has seen some amazing changes to science, brought about partly because of changes in the world. There are more nations that are able to compete at a very high level in physics and other sciences. Big science projects are only getting more expensive, and funding must extend beyond national boundaries. And this has led to some incredible discoveries like the Higgs boson. Individual nations can still make contributions, such as the U.S. landing a rover on Mars. But at the same time, a nationalistic attitude about science no longer makes sense the way it did in the 1950s. But for a country that dominated the world stage in so many ways, this brings up the question, how do we define success for American physics in the 21st century?
1: You're right, up until about 1970, it was success of American physics was considered in Cold War nationalistic terms. And it was always usually measured in numbers, like how many firsts you can get in a number of areas like discoveries, inventions, man in space, man on the moon, and things like that. But also numbers of Nobel Prizes, papers in PhysRev, uh, PhDs produced, numbers of physicists in the nation itself. And it was it was quite impressive. But today... Uh, With uh, globalization, it's still measured in numbers, but more by quality of those numbers, more by their social benefit, fuel cells and quantum computing and uh, other things that we would want.
0: This is just one small slice of the history of American physics in the 20th century. For more, I recommend you pick up David C. Cassidy's book, A Short History of Physics in the American Century. I have to say this book isn't what you'd call a beach read. It's a very well-written, concise book. I would say that it does demand more than a passing interest in the history of physics, but I could also highly recommend it to fans of history in general. The book is published by Harvard University Press as part of a series called New Histories of Science, Technology, and Medicine. That's all for the Physics Buzz podcast. I'm Calla Cofield. As always, you can find more podcasts, our Physics Buzz blog, resources, and so much more at physicscentral.com. Tune in next week for more Physics Buzz.